Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories. But do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a suggestion from our mysterious listener, Dawn. Dawn writes, My family have listened to and collected OTR for over 20 years. My daughter and I recently found your podcast and started from the beginning. I'm also a great fan of MST3K, so some of your comments do remind us of that. You add new breath to OTR. I just heard an episode of Nightfall yesterday that you may be interested in. Where do we go from here? It is rare for me to be surprised, but this one kept me interested to the end. Thanks again. Nightfall was a horror anthology produced by the Canadian Broadcasting Company between July of 1980 and June 1983. The series was created by Bill Howell, known for his work on CBC Playhouse and Johnny Chase, Secret Agent of Space. Although inspired by the golden age of radio, Nightfall took a more modern approach to horror, pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable on Canadian radio at the time. The program's intense situations and graphic sound effects led some CBC affiliates to drop the series entirely. Where Do We Go From Here was written by Canadian radio personality Max Ferguson. His 52-year career on CBC Radio began in 1946 when he was assigned host duties on a country music show called After Breakfast Breakdown. Not a fan of country music, Ferguson made the last-minute decision to host the show as a fictitious cowboy named Rawhide who ridiculed each song before and after playing it. To Ferguson's surprise, he was not fired. In fact, the show became a hit, airing in one form or another for the next 17 years. According to the fan site, The Nightfall Project, CBC head of radio drama Susan Rubes coaxed Ferguson out of retirement to write for Nightfall. Known for his gentle wit, Ferguson seemed an unlikely recruit for a cutting-edge horror program. But the CBC was pleased enough with Ferguson's effort to commission two more scripts, Breaking Point and The Dark Side of the Mind. And now let's listen to Where Do We Go From Here from Nightfall. Originally broadcast December 12th, 1980. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speakers. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. In the dream, you are falling. Lost in the listening distance as dark locks in. <laughs> Nightfall. Good evening. Tonight's story will have a special place in the hearts of individuals who seem to enjoy smashing their automobiles into other vehicles. The play from the distinctive pen of Max Ferguson is called Where Do We Go From Here? What in God's name's happening? I'm lying somewhere. And I'm cold. (laughs) 
Something awful is happening. Some jerk cut right in front of him. I can't collect my thoughts. Just waves of cold, gray fog. Anybody got a blanket? There's one in the back of my car. I'll get it. And where about an ambulance? Anybody call one? My husband's falling across the highway. Okay, fella. You're going to be all right. Just take it. Stranger, Ben. They can hear me. Face just starting to take shape. Are you all right? Can you speak? I hear you, but I, I can't make a sound. What happened to me? God, if I could only remember. Wow, look at those skid marks, huh? Skid? Who said that? Would I hit someone? Killed him? No. It's got to be a dream. You don't like it. Not too clean, I'm afraid. It'll do just fine. Just tuck it around him. The least we can do is keep him warm. Is he? He's not dead, is he? Oh, Dan, if I know, lady. There's certainly no blood, just a nasty looking bruise on his forehead. He's not even a muscle. I asked him if he's all right, but not a sound, not even a groan. Oh, he could be in shock. Jeez, that's for sure. I was right behind him. He was doing close to 80 when he rolled. Scared the hell out of me, I can tell you. Those poor eyes. They're staring right through us. I wonder if he can hear us. So, Mr. X, you've been in an accident. And now, you're lying at the side of the highway with people staring at you. Wondering if you're a corpse. Anybody get that other car's number? Nah, I took off like a scalded cat. No, wait, wait. I was at the airport. Yes, I was saying goodbye to someone. Oh, my head's spinning. But there's a name. I was saying goodbye to... To... Yeah. Janice. Janice, my wife. Mrs. Neville... Edwards. Look, did you see that? See what? Well, it was just there a second, but I'm sure he smiled. <laughs> oh, no. Not bloody likely as they sit now. All the pieces are starting to fall into place. Janice is in the air right now on her way to Havana. It's our first decent holiday since we were married. I was going to fly down tomorrow. Oh, why the hell didn't I leave with her? Why? Blind, overweening ambition. The presentation had to come first. Instead of flying off with a woman I love on a holiday I've slaved four years to swing, I had to prove to the president that I was the hottest little creative director in a country. Lady, can you keep your kids out of here? This guy could be dead. Andrew, Jennifer, come back here right now! Listen, fellas, there's going to be an ambulance here in a couple of minutes. Just relax. I don't think he hears you. Look, if you can understand what I'm saying, just give us some little sign. I mean, move a finger, blink an eye. Not a sign. There's just nothing there. I wonder if this is what they call cardiac arrest. Whatever it is, Dr. Kildare, it's not cardiac arrest. I can hear you. I can see you. I only got ten days vacation. My mind's functioning. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah, rushing back from the airport. That bastard veering into my lane, the brakes seizing, and that endless rolling. Spinal cord might be severed. You know, you get like like total paralysis. Yeah, that could be it. God, what is this? The Mayo Clinic of the ditch? Well, I don't panic easily. Not when I can feel pain in my forehead and my ankle, which is probably broken, and you can't feel pain with a severed spinal cord. Get that dead dog out of here! Don't you let him know. Here comes the ambulance. Okay, folks, the job is out of the way. The ambulance has to get through. 
everybody. Going out of the road. Are you first on the scene? Yeah. I was in the car right behind. Some guy cut right in front of him. Yeah. Hit him? No. No. But he broke real hard. Car went into a roll about a hundred yards back. We put a blanket over him. Tried to talk to him, but he doesn't seem able to speak or even move. And I, well, I couldn't feel any pulse. I think it might be cardiac arrest. Well, now we'll just let the doctor figure that out. You all strap the jury in, Ron. Ready to go. Out of the way. I watch it. Watch it. Stand back. Stand back. Where do we stand, Neville Edwards? On the negative side, I, I can't move a muscle and I can't communicate. But on the positive, though, I, well, I'm not bleeding. My mind's certainly alert and, well, I'm, I'm off to get fixed up. These people, they, they're always the same, eh, Ron? Yeah, always want to play doctor. Probably some kind of muscle spasm. Well, those guys at the hospital will know what to do. One little shot of relaxant, and I could be on my way to Havana tomorrow. You know, Ron, that guy might be right. You mean about cardiac arrest? Yeah. Want me to try a couple of thumps on his chest? Are you kidding? You know the law as well as I do. No, 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 don't touch him. Better to bring him in dead than break the law, eh? Exactly. Keep it up, clowns. I don't panic easily. <laughs> and if I have to feel sorry for anybody... How about the president and senior account executive of the biggest ad agency in Toronto? Plus three Chrysler vice presidents. <laughs> All of them sitting around the old boardroom waiting for me to breeze in, open the magic briefcase and extol their two million dollar media campaign. <laughs> They'll be well into their fifth drink before they realize they've been stood up. Nothing at all, Doctor. Not a trace of a heartbeat. I nearly shoved my fist through his sternum with this compression. It's not working. Doctor, for God's sake, look at my eyes. They're all I've got to try and tell you. You're on the wrong track. Same old story, nurse. Just a little too late with the cardiopulmonary therapy. This man died in the ambulance. Well, at least it's not our failure, Doctor. All the way in, in that ambulance, his brain cells were dying at the rate of millions a minute. And the attendants weren't allowed to touch him. This late, even if I got his heart going, he'd be a vegetable. This crazy nightmare can end if you'll just get a few more opinions. Find out what's doing this. It's just some little spasm. Well, uh, I've got three hours of surgery facing me in the OR. Couple of Oh, my God. No. No. This can't be happening. It's not real. Don't bury me alive. Somebody try to understand I am alive. I'm an orderly doctor. Right. Oh, nurse, before they take him downstairs to the morgue, remember to check his wallet for ID. Yes, doctor. I'll, I'll notify his next of kin. They can make arrangements for the body to be removed to a funeral parlor. No. 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 
we have to put you through this, sir. It's always a bit rough. Yes, sir. I don't, I don't exactly look forward to we it. We finally located his wife, but she's in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Janice flew down just this morning. It was her wish that we phone his office and have someone come to the hospital morgue to make positive identification. This is it here. Jackson? Yes, nurse, uh, it is. It's Neville Edwards. Good old, slow, methodical Ernie. Nobody's going to rush Ernie. Thank God. Nurse, do you mind if I ask one or two questions? I mean, I mean, this whole thing's very hard to grasp. Certainly, I understand. See, I guess I was expecting him to be badly smashed up. There's hardly a mark. What was the... I mean... How... He died of cardiac arrest. Probably in the ambulance. Don't buy it, Ernie. Don't buy it. You never took anybody's word for anything. Who examined him, nurse? Dr. Harvey Bateman. Very experienced and competent. Was he the only doctor? Uh, didn't he check with others to be perfectly sure? That's it, Ernie. That's it. Ernie is skeptical old bugger. I can assure you, sir, everything was done. Dr. Bateman does not make snap decisions with human lives. Excuse me, I'll have to get that. Uh, be back in a minute. That's right, Ernie. Stare at me. Don't take your eyes off me. I'm going to make you understand. Just like hundreds of times before when we read each other's thoughts. Ernie, over a drink or a desk. Hmm. Cardiac arrest. Does that mean a heart can never start up again in its own good time? Yeah, England, they used to put little bells on your coffin with a string leading inside so you could ring it if you came back to life. It happens sometimes. Good boy, Ernie. Mind you, would cause a real fuss around this place. I'd step on a lot of toes if I checked this thing out. Do it, Ernie, do it. But shock isn't enough. I need to feel some grief, and damn it, I don't. Ernie... That's right, Neville Edwards. I don't feel anything. Felt a lot more grief the day Janice phoned to say I could have my ring back. Ernie, it wasn't my fault. We just fell in love. I felt a much bigger stab in the heart the day our venerable president called me in to explain that perhaps my finest contribution to the agency lay in grinding out copy. Didn't even have the guts to admit he was just pushing his fair-haired boy up the ladder. Ernie, it wasn't my decision. I never asked for your job. <laughs> you charmed them all, didn't you, Edwards? And talk about ruthless drive, God. There were times when I thought of doing this to you myself. Ernie, please. And look Ernie, at those please. eyes. Even now. Making me think you might possibly still be alive. They're too bright. Too intense for a dead man. Then again, maybe you are dead. <laughs> Just plotting to make it through the pearly gates first and beat all those other poor suckers who died today. Sorry to leave you here by yourself, sir. Have you had enough time? Yes, I, uh... I think we're all finished here, nurse. Thank you. No... No! 
damn you, Jackson. You're killing me, you swine. You're killing me. <laughs> to the rain if it wasn't for that sickening disinfectant in this cold enamel table it could be my own room at home with mom and dad sleeping right next to it I loved to lie and listen to the rain at night when I was a kid and just as I got sleepy the bedroom door would always open and there'd be mom bringing in my mug of cocoa She'd stop at the side of my bed, and she'd slowly lean over me. There'd always be a wisp of hair falling down. And... and she'd... kiss me goodnight. <laughs> oh, stop it, stop it! You know bloody well who's standing over you now. Well, James, I think we'll begin by closing that window. Right away, Mr. Miller. In this age of refrigeration, I don't think we need the chill night air to preserve a human body. Thank you, James. By the way, it's very good of you to come out on a night like this. Sorry I had to call you. Oh, that's quite all right, Mr. Miller. Well, it was very decent of you to help me out in this uh, little uh, emergency. You've uh, had your dinner? Oh, yes, sir. And I, I really hadn't planned anything for this evening, so there's no problem. Well, not exactly no problem, James. I'm very upset at the conduct of Mr. Osborne preparation of the deceased was to have begun at six o'clock. At twenty past seven, he phoned that he would not be coming in. Severe head cold. I know he was feeling pretty low yesterday, sir. Then he might have been civil enough to give us the same advance warning the cold gave him. Uh, yes, yes, Mr. Miller. Osborne is a very talented mortician, but I will not put up with his irresponsibility. Like yourself, he showed great promise when he started with the firm, but over the years, he's gradually declined into a devil-may-care attitude. Not good enough. Well, like I said, Mr. Miller, I don't mind feeling... I know that, James. And that's precisely why you will be replacing Mr. Osborne as of this moment. Mr. Miller, <laughs> I've really only been with you for a year. And Mr. Osborne... Only a year, yes. But in that time, I've been deeply impressed. Not only with your work, but your eagerness to learn and your dedication to the profession. Thank you, sir. I'd just like to say... Now then, James, <clears throat> I should think, cosmetically speaking, this will not be a late evening. Yes, I was just noticing, sir. There's, there's hardly a mark on him. You know, James, I think I almost prefer the opposite. The opposite? I hope you won't think me callous, but when there has been extensive damage, graphic indication that death has laid his hand on someone, I feel it helps us accept the finality. I don't think I'll ever be able to accept it, Mr. Miller. Especially when I see ones like this. And uh, just what do you mean by that, James? His eyes. I'm not squeamish. I think you'll agree to that, sir. And I've handled every type of embalming... And quite skillfully, let me add. But since I've been with Miller Chapman, I've never had such a feeling when I look at their eyes. I could swear his eyes have been following me, afraid to lose me, wanting to tell me something. Yes, James, that's it. Don't take your eyes off mine. Keep staring. 
I am willing you to understand. Keep looking at me. James, let me tell you something. Uh, but first, I'll close these poor staring eyes. No. Oh, dear God. No. There we are. I think that will help. I'm sorry, Mr. Miller. I, I'm, a, I'm a little embarrassed. No need to be, James. On the contrary. I think you've shown what I've always felt you to be. A sensitive and caring young man. The kind we need in our service. Thank you, sir. However, James, let me give you some... Well, I don't really like the term, but... Some forewarning of what strange things lie ahead as you move on in this profession. What do you mean, Mr. Miller? James, in this very room and on this very table, I have seen the eye of a dead man blink, the finger of a dead man move, the lips of a dead man twitch. Uh, I've never seen anything like that, Mr. Miller. You will, James, you will. And no matter how many years of experience you've had, it will indeed disturb you. But James, always remember this. Though chilling in the extreme, these are all perfectly natural posthumous reactions. Simply a matter of muscles, tissue and tendons, weary of life, finally settling into beautiful repose. <clears throat> now then, I have something I want you to do. Certainly, Mr. Murray. I spoke on the telephone today with Ernest Jackson, a close friend of the deceased. A rotten bastard. Now, this the Mr. Jackson has spoken earlier to the deceased's wife. Janice. Apparently, there is a you know. beige gabardine suit. I believe God. the deceased was married in it. And his wife is most anxious that he be buried um, and laid to rest in it. Now, Mr. Jackson assured me he would get the suit and bring it here by six this evening. However, like Mr. Osborne, he hasn't turned up. Now, we do need that suit, James. So if you'd be good enough to go to this address... I know that street, sir. It's only about a 20-minute walk from here. It'll be a lot faster and drier in my car. Now, here are the keys. Car's in the driveway. Thanks, Mr. Milne. I'll be back in a few minutes. Yes, indeed. Very fine, promising young man, James. <sighs> Just as you probably were in your field of endeavor. Yes. Good face. Intelligent. Unlined. The short years allowed you must have been untroubled. <clears throat> I suppose an adoring and supportive young wife would have to be part of that piece. Yes. Yes. Well, they phoned the sad news to her in Havana. She's flying back about nine in the morning. Hmm. Doesn't leave us much time. Janice. Love. <sighs> Life's intriguing little mysteries. He sends her off to Havana. He's killed driving back from the airport. Now, why would he send oh, her off alone? Janice. Love, I'm sorry. You begged me to come, even on the way to the airport. But with a lifetime ahead of us, one day seems so little to give up. A lifetime. Oh, God. Janice? Janice? Well, then, for the face, I think a number five will do. And over that base and the slight bruise near the temple, I think a number seven. What's that? You... Idiot. After your resounding lecture to young James, you let your own glasses make a fool of you. <laughs> what are you seeing, thing? Glasses haven't been cleaned for a week. 
Thank goodness James isn't here. <laughs> Embarrassing if he saw this silly trembling in my hands. Now then, slip the glasses back on and look again. It's still there. Not an optical illusion. But I've never seen this before. Well, you're seeing it now. And take a long, hard look, you smug bastard. Because I want you to remember it for the rest of your life. God, my eleventh hour miracle. I'm crying. I can, f I can feel the tears running down my cheeks. This can't be happening. It's against all reason. Tears coursing down a dead man's cheeks. I've got to be sure. Better phone upstairs. Can't go ahead without a medical opinion. Yes, Miller. You do that. They'll tell you quick enough. <laughs> a corpse doesn't cry. <laughs> Mind you... If the man is dead, if such a thing can happen after his demise, I'll be the laughing stock of the profession. You can just see it in the funeral trade papers. 30-year veteran of profession, Wilbur Miller, goofs. Well, I'll take the risk. If only the hospital would pick up the phone. Hello. Yes, this is Wilbur Miller of the Miller Chapman Funeral Home. At approximately 11.30 this morning, a traffic accident victim was brought to the emergency admitting center of your hospital. The victim's name was Neville Edwards. Yes, would you please check and give me the name of the doctor who attended? Yes, I will. Uh, nurse, near, uh, hello, are you there? Yes, uh, could you please hurry? It's very urgent. Thank you. Hello? Yes, yes. Yes, that's the one. And the doctor's name? Dr. Harvey Bateman. I'd like to speak to him as quickly as possible, please. I see. No, no, this can't wait until tomorrow. Give me his home number, please. Pardon? Look, I'm not some crank. This is an emergency. I can assure you that... Oh, blast. Charles will know. And he's probably a better doctor than Bateman. Charles, it's Wilbur. I'd like to get your opinion on an urgent matter. No, 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 nothing personal. Would you say it's possible for a deceased person to... It sounds so bizarre... I mean, can the tear ducts function posthumously? I see. Yes. Yes. I was hoping to hear that, Charles. Thank you so much. 
Absolutely incredible. Well, there's no time to be lost. Come on, come on. You've got to be there. It's the Miller Chapman Funeral Home, 343 Glengrove Drive. I want an ambulance over here as quickly as possible. Yes? Yes. Ask the driver to come up on the side driveway. The door will be open. I'll be waiting for him. Right. Uh, tell him to go straight to the basement. Thank you. God help him. He's alive. And those eyes I closed... That desperate stare that bothered young James so much. He was listening, understanding everything we were saying. It's too ghastly to think about. Oh, God, what he must have gone through. <gasps> uh, sir, where do we go from here? James, you gave me quite a start. I thought you were going to drive I've over and pick up... Mr. Jackson was just pulling up out front as I backed out of the driveway. Boy, that was close. <laughs> I missed his front bumper by about an inch. Mr. Miller? Yes? Are you all right, sir? Yes. Yes, I... You look I, sort of shaken up. I'm all right. But, James, I have something to tell you. If you want to go home, sir, I can finish up. No, no. There's only the cosmetic work to be done. What? Yes, sir. When I came back and you were gone, I went ahead on my own. He's finished, Mr. Miller. He's embalmed. You have just heard Where Do We Go From Here by Max Ferguson. Neil Monroe starred as the unfortunate Neville Edwards, with Colin Fox as Miller and Michael Wincott as James. The ambulance drivers were Arch McDonnell and Grant Roll. David Calderisi played the doctor, and Mary Peary was heard as the nurse. John Stocker played Ernie, and others in the cast were Corrine Langston and Gordon Thompson. Our recording engineer is John Jessup, with sound effects by Kathy Parry and Bill Robinson. Our production assistants are Doris Buchanan and Nancy McElveen, and our story editor is Earl Toppings. Nightfall is produced and directed for CBC Radio by Bill Howell. That was Where Do We Go From Here, from Nightfall, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. Ah, Nightfall. Nightfall! And your synthesizers. Whee! Oh, nightfall. Oh, nightfall. Where do we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll start here. We have criticized Nightfall in the past. Yes. For failing to finish a story. Mm. Seems to never end well. And I thought this one nailed the ending. I really liked the ending of the story. I think this overall is a strong Nightfall story. I'm Me just going to come out of the gate and say that. It's no porch light, but mm -hmm. like uh, our listener Dawn said kept me guessing throughout it. Yes, I will agree with all of that. It is also static 
it starts in a place and stays in the place until, and I agree, I think the ending has got a nice little twist. It stays it. with a point of view. It moves to several geographical locations. Yeah, geographically, I'm not talking about. I'm talking because it never it. leaves the point of view of and Neville. What, and what's happening? I'm in here, please see me. I'm in here, please see me. I'm in here, please see me. Oh, he saw me, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's got a little shaggy dog joke structure to it. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's static in the sense of we start with I'm... In here, you don't know that, and we stay there. And it's a series of different people coming and going that he's trying desperately, hopefully, will recognize that he's alive. Once we get to that point where people are coming and going, I'm happy at that. I'm enjoying it at that point because you get a variety of different reactions. Mm -hmm. Um, Some crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) My big critique of it is it takes a while to get started. The, The opening scene with the crowd of people... That's so establish a point and then establish it and then establish it. It, it took a while to get going, but once it did, I, I had a good time. And I actually like the opening best. Ah. That What you were just saying is, ah, that took too long. I really enjoyed the slow awakening and realization of what has happened to him. I thought it was really well done. The people running around trying to take care of him, everybody calling an ambulance, get him a blanket, da, 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 talking about him while he's there. I thought the ambulance drivers were a little mean. <laughs> why, why that's are a they, whole nother discussion why are they not allowed to touch him there right? must be something i don't understand Canada. or maybe it that's was what happens when you get law. free health care <laughs> this is not a great advertisement for socialized medicine <laughs> it's only free when you get to the hospital <laughs> getting there is the problem uh, honestly maybe some listeners know the background of some change in law whether it's canada or maybe at some point it was the u.s that people who were in the ambulances maybe they were just ambulance drivers Maybe this is like Uber Ambulance and they didn't. <laughs> Uber Ambulance. <laughs> but I mean, he calls them attendees. Like they're not mm, actually, discussed as paramedics. For real, Uber Ambulance would be a very successful country. <laughs> <laughs> like I can get a medical expert to take me or I can get this guy for 20 bucks and drive me to the hospital. Yeah. Save me money to pay the hospital. Yeah. I ended up in an ambulance like three years ago. And when I got that $2,800 bill for the ambulance ride that is not covered, I swore I don't care what's happened ever again. Someone shoved me in a car. <laughs> yeah, Uber ambulance. You were onto something here. That's a good idea. Okay. We're out of the podcast business. <laughs> now we're giving rides to the hospital. Let's get some old station wagons, paint them white. Nice. All what right. were we talking about? <laughs> Nothing. Wow, <laughs> nightfall. It's funny because I agree with Eric. <laughs> I guess that's funny to me. Uh, <laughs> but I have my notes quickly and effectively tells you what happened in reference to the opening. So oh, I also so <laughs> yeah. really like, well, because I thought it nicely dealt with Neville's emotional state. It got us through everything he had to figure out about his state so that when he started being introduced to these different scenarios, first the hospital, then the morgue, and then the morticians, he was in a place to react to them. He wasn't still figuring out right. what was going on with him. When they got to the point of uh, the ambulance has arrived and now everyone's talking at once and you get some sense of depth to them, then I yes, that works. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like when they one at a time go to, I'll get him a blanket. My husband's gone across the street to get a phone. Pull my kids away. They've got big track meet, and their father disapproves of them. Like, there's a lot of story going on with yeah. these people. <laughs> that was a red herring. I thought for sure it was going to be about the track meet. <laughs> there was a great line of Mayo Clinic of the Ditch. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he goes through all these phases. At first, he's confused. Then he's desperate for help. Then he's really angry and yeah, right. sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, this is a long shot. Someone out there listening is going to say yes. Do you guys remember the song DOA by Blood Rock? Wow. I'm left in the nerd dust here. Yeah, no clue. <laughs> it is a 70s song that's all about a guy that's been in a car accident and he's just laying there and he can't move and it's just his thoughts. And the song, the music of it is pretty much sirens. <laughs> I am lying here and I don't know where I am. I don't know what the words are. And I look over and there's my girlfriend and she's dead and I can't move. I was so reminded of DOA by Blood Rock. And, <laughs> and you it can't is, say that very often. No, <laughs> nobody knows this song. It is such a, a really deep, deep cut of music. But yeah, some freak that I lived with in college introduced me to it. But if you had heard it, you would go, oh, yeah, this is like the lyrics to DOA by Blood Rock. <laughs> in Blood Rock, twist, twist. Oh, now you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's bedrock. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you there. Thank you. I did a blood rock, bedrock pun. Okay, moving on. I'm the sound of blood rock. (laughs) (laughs) What were we talking about? Nothing. (laughs) We make fun of it unmercifully, that transition music, but it 100% deserves it. I don't know what. They were thinking it goes it's terrible. Be- it goes beyond being music of the time. There is no connection. There is no, <laughs> no connection, connection to what is going on. It is the most disorienting. The phone call music from the mortician to the doctors. He would hang up and it would end, and then he'd pick up the phone and that music would start again. That isn't matching what's happening. And then they changed the format of it. He hung up and the music kept playing, and then he picked up the phone and yeah. stopped playing. So they weren't even telling a story with the music, let alone the music didn't match and the music is terrible. And then we have like the porno guitar licks at the beginning and then it flips to some unreleased Devo track. 80s B-movie sci-fi music. Do you know what I'm talking about? In fact, call this uh, Nightfall is the John Carpenter of radio drama. You know those... But not in a good way. No, I mean in a good way. (laughs) I recognize like because of where this falls in history, this sounds more dated than 1940s, 1950s music. That we accept as that this is classic radio music and this that like that's just weird. But the point I'm trying to make is that I can listen to 1940s music and I know we don't usually use organ music for much of anything today, but the organ music they're using matches the tone and mood of the scene it's right. cutting away from. Whereas if they're happy, it's happy music. If it's suspenseful, <laughs> it's suspenseful yeah. music. This makes zero, zero sense. sense. That's Absolutely. my problem. Not that I, it's guitar licks, because that, that could be really interesting and cool if it came right. in in a place that, you know, was exciting. The moment the car more. crashes, maybe. <laughs> or it it, it works for me, and there's always just that subliminal in my, the back of my head whispered, Nightfall. <laughs> Every time. Nightfall. I couldn't agree with you more, Josh. It's, it's so, it pulls you out of everything. That whole scene, him calling the doctor and saying, hey, get me hold of a doctor. I think this guy's alive. No music. That's what they missed. It's just him calling people. That phone call music was just, oh my God. I, <laughs> I think by pull. then I'd started to tune it out because it's the only way I How? can get to the actual story. Because it's so distracting to me. Well, you're a smug bastard, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated, but yes. <laughs> I just love that line also. Called him a smug bastard. Keep it up, clowns. I don't panic easily. Just a, <laughs> a lot of bravado for a comatose, apparently Whatever. dead guy. Um, uh, there's a lot of great lines in here. Yep. Um, 
maybe they're intentional. Sometimes I'm <laughs> not sure, but I love the doctor that says, this man died in the ambulance. And the nurse says, at least it's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want to hear it at the hospital. <laughs> Because the implication is, for once, it's not her fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I love how the woman at the morgue has to assure uh, Neville's friend Ernie that Neville is actually dead, saying, Dr. Bateman is very experienced and competent. <laughs> right. So I'm willing to believe he's dead. <laughs> and there's some nice foley there, too. I do like when the sheet goes up over his face and you hear the rustle yep. of it yep. and he, he just in his head Neville goes no <laughs> like, yes this can't I like that moment well. I loved the sequence where he's flashing back to his room that is the best part yeah the getting the hot cocoa from mom and yes because the way it overlaps with the footsteps of not his mom but of a mortician, mortician. coming yeah. in hands down the best piece of writing in here I think and Mr. Miller is fun it's kind of a cliche the persnickety creepy mortician but i enjoyed it can we talk about because you'll help me with the wording on this there is a certain trope going on here being trapped inside your body and nobody oh yeah it goes back to the victorian fear of catalepsy well they brought it up with the bells and the yeah yeah yeah. so this is an homage to those type of stories that were so popular that stoked that sort of 19th century fear of being buried alive i mean we did one episode Mm -hmm. of i think creeps by night the strange burial of alexander jordan that played on that edgar Allan poe stories Uh, if you want to hear which was made into a musical alexander jordan is great (laughs) (laughs) it's just all kind of coughing Where'd you get the extra syllable in Jordan? (laughs) Jordan and Alexander Jordan and the choreography is pretty simple. But what is the trope I'm thinking of that is not buried tra- alive? Not, not, no, but not just being trapped inside your body and nobody can it's see like you. So, similar to sleep paralysis, that thing of. But even more than that, uh, here's an example. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Star Trek Kirk uh, is trying to get everybody to see him, and he's trapped in another dimension, and no one can oh. see him. Um, there's a, a next generation where Jordy's walking around, and no one can see him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's that idea. Well, of like high school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing suspenders. Look at me. <laughs> They're funny suspenders. I have novelty buttons. <laughs> right, but the idea of I am invisible or I can't make contact. Inability to communicate. Yeah, right? have no mouth and I must scream. Right, right. It's embedded in a lot of ghost stories where yeah. someone from the dead is trying to come back and warn you of something and you can't understand there, it. It's yeah. just usually from the perspective of the living person. Yes. This is told from the person who is dead. Right. There's also a suspense story called Dead Earnest that I would recommend listening to if you want to hear a very different telling of what is essentially the exact same story. Is this based on some No, story I mean, or? it's just a common trope, the fear right. of being buried right. alive. So it's just playing on that. Or you could listen to DOA by Blood Rock. <laughs> <laughs> that is a definite possibility, Eric. <laughs> but there's the, a lot of other procedural questions I have in here. Of, it took them a long time to think, we should find out who this guy is. And to close his eyes. 
It's a powerful moment, jokes, but those eyes are disturbing. <laughs> wow, just look at them. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but it works when he closes uh, Neville's yes. eyes and you realize he has just shut off his last avenue of communication or expression. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a great moment. But also you wonder if another great moment in the production when the mortician leans in and his glasses fog up. But you're like, boy, if there was breath coming out of him. Again, we can just chalk it up to Canadian medicine. <laughs> well, everything breathes in Canada. <laughs> That's what you get for free. <laughs> Any uh, other thoughts? Uh, I think ultimately there's a really nice symmetry that Neville postponed his trip to Havana to impress his boss and then is later embalmed by James, who wants to impress his boss. (laughs) Right. There's a moral here. Stop impressing your boss. (laughs) Quit your job and go to Havana. That's (laughs) Do a podcast. That was part of it that I was like, I don't like that. For the big presentation at corporate headquarters to make a big impression. That's so... Generic, uh, yes, but it's yes. very eighties. Yes, he's a yuppie, yeah, big exec, some sort of marketing pitch to, to the guys paid. from Chrysler, and and boy, were they going to feel dumb when they show up and have five drinks and he's yeah. not there. I miss Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> this has to be one of the weirdest second opinion to seek. Can tear ducts function posthumously? <laughs> I like that moment because you hear like, okay, that's the answer I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Which one, one were you? Oh, right, right. I was confused by that. Oh, and I think you were supposed to be like, oh, good news, bad news, but yeah. Anybody bother to look it up? Can we posthumously cry? I'm Let's try it. Guess, no. Let's try it. <laughs> Jim, eat this. <laughs> it's a creepy idea, a crying corpse, though. Yes. All right, any other thoughts? Let's send this to a vote. I'll start. I think the best thing about this episode of this podcast and this nightfall is finding out about the show, The After Breakfast Breakdown, (laughs) where he made fun of uh, country songs playing a a cowboy. I have got to find this. (laughs) This sounds a lot better than Nightfall. Uh, I would say that it's not bad. It's got some really creepy moments. It's got the twist ending, which I always like. I didn't see it coming. I was disheartened. I was hoping he'd get saved. Mm -hmm. And then they took it from me. So that's, you know, good on them. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most (laughs) Um, passive-aggressive compliment ever. The music is so horrifyingly distracting in Nightfall, it's hard to get over. I'll just say that, Tim. You loved uh, it. This is not a classic. It had many things that bothered me, but the ending I thought was so strong. Okay. Um, I felt that it really built in quality and sort of peaked at that sequence with his flashback uh, and then the nice twist ending. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I agree with Tim. They stuck the ending on this, and Nightfall has a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. It was really focused storytelling, yeah. which Nightfall generally has a problem with. Well, it's no dark fantasy. <laughs> You are Mr. Tangent today. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Where? <laughs> what uh, <laughs> uh, So, yes, I thought it was a great episode of Nightfall. Not a classic, but it, like Don said, kept me guessing 
all the way through and successfully surprised me with that ending. Did not see it coming, did not see it panning out that way. You knew either he was going to be saved or he wasn't, but the mm. way he wasn't. Right. There's a third option to what was going on that I thought might be happening. And that is that when we die, this is what we all go through. <laughs> that this no. is what death is, is that we go, oh my God, I'm in here, I'm in here, I'm in here, I'm in here. And I thought, oh, wow, what if that is what death is? That's terrible. <laughs> That's dark. No, it's horribly dark. It makes necrophilia a whole horrible thing. <laughs> that makes it a horrible thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, Tell us how terrible Nightfall is again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this really spoils necrophilia for me. <laughs> All right. What were we talking about? Where were you, Joshua? You... Just, I was going to thank Dawn, but maybe I anymore. <laughs> we had a real good time. Yeah. Uh, I do thank her. I love this discussion. Thank you, Dawn. Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. That is a place where you can comment on episodes. You can uh, connect to our social media outlets. You can send us a message and request your own episodes that we can uh, lavish praise on like we did here. Uh, and as well as just say hi. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. Uh, we've got a lot of great rewards on there. Uh, our current members-only podcast is Cliffhangers of Doom, and we are listening through City of the Dead from Adventures by Morse. So uh, maybe that will tempt you to become a Patreon. Uh, you can also go to iTunes and write a review because that's free and we still like it. <laughs> so... Either one would be great. It is worth becoming a Patreon for City of the Dead. It's so good. Not our discussion. That's fine. I just City <laughs> of the Dead. Uh, also, if you want to see us do live shows, recreations of old-time radio uh, on stage, we are here in March of 2020, currently and still are, and will be for a while at Park Square Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota. Check out MysteriousOldRadioListeningSociety.com for... Uh, times, dates, and details, and tickets. What's coming up next? It's your pick, Eric. Oh, that's right. Finally, we're going to do Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. I have been waiting a while. Until then... Look out! Then I look straight at the Well, at least it's not our failure, Doctor. <laughs> 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 <laughs>